Hello, my name is Father Jacob, creator and founder of Region Catholic. Region Catholic is a platform used to teach the Catholic faith with the flavor of Northwest Indiana, also known as the Region. If you like this content, then like, comment, or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And better yet, share this, regioncatholic.com, with a friend. If you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon page, found at regioncatholic.com, where you can support us at three levels, get shoutouts on our podcasts, or get your hands on exclusive merchandise. Thank you for your support, enjoy the podcast, and God bless you. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? No disciple is superior to the teacher, but when fully trained, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you notice a splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove that splinter in your eye, when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own eye? You hypocrite. Remove the wooden beam from your eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. A good tree does not bear rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For people do not pick figs from thorn bushes, nor do they gather grapes from brambles. A good person out of the store of goodness in his heart produces good, but an evil person out of a store of evil produces evil. For from the fullness of the heart the mouth speaks. This past week we have all seen the ravages of war in a new way. Building over the last several months, Russia in an act decried by world leaders as a senseless act of aggression has invaded Ukraine. While there have been wars of the past, and many of you listening or here might even be aware of those wars of the past or experience them yourselves, such as World War II, Vietnam, or other conflicts and wars more recently in the Middle East. What seems to be different now is the amount of coverage that has occurred through the use of social media. What stands out in my mind are the immense loss of innocence by so many. On social media, this has been cataloged by stories of children being handed bulletproof vests at school, being sent to school for the day with their blood types taped on their back, mothers and children taking cover in subways throughout larger cities, and even more recently, images of a Ukrainian couple, a younger couple, being married, pushed their marriage back to earlier from May, for their certainty of their future is not clear. In situations like this, what does the church offer to us about violence, about war, about peace? And what is a fair response from a country like our own? And what are we called to do? And more importantly, what are we are called to believe as Catholics? In the realm of violence and war, what has developed since the 4th century by St. Augustine and then built upon by Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century is something called the principles of just war. When you read thousands of pages on these principles, what they are, how to implement them, I'd like to offer you this fullness of the theory as I can in the time allotted for a homily. I'd just like to offer you seven principles that capture principles of just war and the teaching of the church. First and foremost is the principle of just cause. The most important factor in waging war is that it must be done in order to correct some kind of injustice, 
that has manifested itself in the world. Another important principle is the principle of last resort, that all other options must be exhausted. There must be all remedies and paths taken, even and leaving as a last resort the reality of war. It should not be employed if at all possible. Also, there's the principle of public authority, that public authority alone rightly decides the questions of going to war, indeed from legitimate authority. This quashes different things like guerrilla war or rebels or other injustices that we might witness in the world. Optimally, war should be done from the authority of the state, from the authority of ultimate public authority. Next is the principle of rightful intention, that all evil intentions should be excluded in declaring war. And within this realm of rightful intention is the principle of discrimination, which means that it should be recognized that one is wrong in intentionally targeting non-combatants. Rightful intention and this principle of not targeting non-combatants are both packaged together as another principle in considering the reality of war. Also, there must be a reasonable chance of success captured by the principle of success, just meaning that there might be and must be a reasonable probability of success of an end goal in sight before waging war. Also, there must be a principle of proportionality, that if waging war should bring about a worse state of affairs, or one should not use disproportionate level of violence to accomplish the goal or success of the war. Ultimately, if it's overly violent or overly proportional, then it would be not just. Lastly, there's the principle of good faith, which prohibits even from declaring to our enemies falsehoods or breaking promises, that we should have good faith in waging war and waging conflict. Taking into account these seven principles, I would just like to say what is not present ultimately in the theory of just war and the principles of just war offered us by the teachings of the saints of the church. Namely, that indeed life must be protected, that ultimately innocent life is ultimately the aim of in, in every war, is that innocence should be protected. This is ultimately a just cause. But ultimately, what is not offered in the teaching of the Church is that preservation of life is not absolute. Now, I know that might sound strange, but indeed, there are moments in our lives when the Church indeed would teach that preservation of life at all costs is not an absolute. For example, there are moments all the time when someone is, say, for example, enduring different treatments for disease like cancer. And if there is no hope of even treatment after treatment after treatment, then indeed a person in their own conscience and their own right to themselves can say, I don't want to endure any more of these harsh treatments. We see this especially in cases of terminal cancer or patients of excessive old age as they grow older. Preservation of life at all costs is not a principle in our Catholic teaching. Similarly as well, there's the reality of self-defense, that indeed someone has the right to protect the lives of their family, the lives of the innocent, from unjust attacks or aggression. And we can see this in multitude of ways employed in our Catholic teaching, 
whether that be in the realm of law enforcement or the realm of war as well. Indeed, people and private citizens alike have an obligation and have the right reserved to themselves to protect innocent life, to protect themselves, indeed, if it be last resort and for a just cause. Related more to these principles of war, however, what is so strange to us is to talk about waging war and waging conflict, when we should ultimately strive for peace. Ultimately, we should strive and pray for peace. What we have seen, though, in this last week is what seems to be, on, on account of all fronts, an unjust aggression displayed by another nation to violate the reality and pursuing war in an unjust, unjust way, not being used as a last resort, not really protecting the innocent, and not, of course, in principles of good faith, as we have seen multiple falsehoods and breaking of promises as a result and is what has stemmed and grown into the reality of this aggression and conflict. Indeed, in the form of a response, it seems that our nation, particularly embodied by our president, have at least attempted and tried to employ these principles. Our president has reserved troop presence in the hope of using boots on the ground directly in Ukraine as an absolute last resort, which we have not seen come to fruition. He has sought the dialogue with Russian authorities in the hope and, and promise of at least pursuing peace, and he has reserved gradually severe economic penalties that have grown more and more severe over this last week as last resorts, as last options. In the midst of all of this conflict and all of this violence, what are we to do as Catholics? What does our faith offer to us as a response? Firstly, we're called to a pray for an end to violence, to pray for the preservation of peace. Pray that justice and the mercy of God may be made manifest in the face of such injustice and lack of mercy displayed to the most innocent. Secondly, we're called to continue to pray for our world leaders, to pray for our president and our country that they make decisions that support peace with war and conflict and violence as a last resort. And it's worth praying most especially for all world leaders, including world leaders of Russia as well, for conversion of heart, for truly desiring peace, and truly desiring justice. Thirdly, and I think most importantly of all of this in this past week, we are called to remember the innocence lost on both sides of the conflict. It can be easy to dehumanize our enemies or the people that we see as acting wrongly, but she, we should resist in doing so to dehumanize them, to see them as subhuman. This would be a grave sin. It's true that Russian leadership has made the decisions they've made, and the world has responded with various sanctions that have ransacked their economy, and will eventually... Uh, as, I, as we have learned to come to learn what these sanctions mean, could cause the Russian currency to continue to plummet. Daily living will be a challenge for people in Russia and Ukraine alike, of course, for different reasons and different outcomes. But indeed, who is impacted in this conflict? Who is impacted by the reality of war, by the reality of economic sanctions? It's ultimately 
not the powerful and wealthy of Russia that have supported the administration that has ultimately pushed this conflict. But ultimately, it's the average family in Russia, likely our brothers and sisters in Christ, who will feed to struggle, who will struggle to feed their families, who will struggle to find stable work, who will ultimately lose hope for a future. Ultimately, God sees his children not as American, not as Ukrainian, not as Russian, but he only sees us and all people of the world as his children. And over this past week, the voices of the innocent cry out on both sides and hope for peace that they deserve. The word of our Lord in the gospel today is a good tree does not bear rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit, for every tree is known by its own fruit. In this teaching, we can be confident of two things. We can be confident that the conflict first born, that the, we can be confident that the fruit born of this conflict is rotten. It reeks of lives shattered, of families broken apart, of even peaceful demonstrations and uprisings in Russia that are crushed, that hope and long for peace. We have witnessed the death and the hope of the death of hope and dreams of so many. We can also be confident that God hears the cries of all his children and those responsible for promoting violence, for promoting bloodshed, will ultimately face the judgment of the Lord for the fruit they have borne into this world. To that end, let us pray for peace. Let us pray for conversion. Not only for the conversion of world leaders, but also for the conversion of our own hearts as well. It's so important that whenever we pray for the conversion of another, we acknowledge that we ourselves are sinners as well, and we should pray for our own conversion, not only the conversion of others, even if their acts are to be seen as particularly sinful or violent. We should also pray for our own conversion as well. We should pray for peace over war. And lastly, we should pray that God's will be done in this situation in Ukraine, in all matters of the world, and the matters of our own life, that God's will be done rather than our own will, our own plans, or our own desires.